Hey, you're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Kenyan Salo on March 23rd, 2020. In this episode, I talk with Kenyan Salo, one of five members on the Denver Broncos Thunderstorm Skydive team, TikTok connoisseur with over 800,000 followers, world traveler, and wildly entertaining motivational speaker. We talk about saying yes to new opportunities, conquering fears, creating more stories, sharing more stories with others, and living more of a bucket list life. You're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Kenyan this is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Kenyon, thank you very much for joining me on Upbeat. I appreciate it. I'm super fired up to be here, Parker. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Well, and I just wanted to share with the listeners, uh, I actually first discovered you via TikTok. Uh, you have some amazing videos capturing your skydiving, uh, so I'd encourage people to go follow you on TikTok too. But uh, I also saw that Denver Broncos logo in the corner of my eye, and that, that obviously caught my attention too. I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan, have been since I was born in 1992, uh, born in Greeley, Colorado. The, yeah, saw your videos, saw that you you work for the Broncos, uh, and I just wanted to commend you for making that context. I absolutely love your videos. Thanks so much. TikTok has been an absolute beast. I, I wasn't on it. I was thinking about it. Of course, a lot of people my age, the catalyst was Gary V saying, get on it, get on it. And so I, I checked it out. And of course, my kids are on it. My daughter's on it. I'm like, what do you think about me being on TikTok? He's like, yeah, it's not for you. And I was like, <laughs> let me just, just give me a second. you know. And now my kids, they're so funny because they're like, dad, you haven't had a million view video in like, uh, in like 10 days. I'm like, I just, you hold up. <laughs> you know, go upstairs, get to work, put it out. And, you know, it's not every video, but it, it certainly has been amazing and and amassed a, a ridiculous following, uh, approaching 500k. I, I just it blows my mind that the numbers are out there and and what it does. So uh, I'm pretty stoked on the process. Yeah, I love TikTok. I I need to get better at producing content there. I do you know, professional beatboxing and I beatbox at events and stuff, but I've been so focused on the podcast almost lately that I've almost detoured myself a little bit from posting the original like beatbox content that I like too. So I know beatboxing is probably a good, good thing for TikTok and I need to need to get on it. (laughs) Well, for sure. And you know, you have the leverage where your content could potentially be shared as a sound. So, so mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome too. True. It's a good reminder. I need, I need to get on it. Uh, but then of course, uh, from TikTok, I did some research, did some digging around and holy cow, man, like you are a powerhouse motivator. You're a speaker, not just a speaker. I would say like you, you are actively, you know, living that bucket list life as you call it and living life to the fullest, encouraging others to do the same. So, um, skydiving, base jumping, traveling, all, all of it, man, like you're, you're out there doing it. But before we really dive into all of that, cause I definitely want to get to there. I typically on upbeat, like to, to start interviews by learning more about the guest, uh, introducing you more in depth to the listeners. Uh, so could you briefly just share with us a summary of how you got to where you are today, what your childhood was like, what little Kenyan was like growing up, what what some of your original dreams were, if you could just sh- share some of that with us. Well, Parker, I got 20 years on you and 1972 <laughs> is when it all started and went down there. And for me, I was the kid that was always pushing limits. It's like, oh, I got my first bike at six years old. And I was like building like wood ramps with 
two by fours and a piece of plywood and jumping <laughs> over trash cans uh, yeah. long before any X games or anything like that. And at the same time of pushing these uh, athletic or adventure or extreme endeavors, I was also trying to figure out how can I make money? And so those two things went hand in hand. I was the kid that would fill up his wagon with bottles of water, no lids, just bottles of like old Coke bottles. And I would bring them across the street and sell them to the construction workers who were building the new houses for 10 cents a bottle. And I was like, yeah, I just fill them up in the sink and bring it over. So that was my life. And that's in a sense how everything is basically from six till now 47, constantly figuring out how can I make money? How can I continue to do adventures? And the one thing is the common theme through all of it was every time I did something, I wanted to share it and I wanted to teach others. So if I jumped my bike over a big trash can, I was like, oh, you could do it too, man. Here, you just got to go like this and just lift up the front wheel. You'll make it. It was always something where if I could learn something and understand how, and then I could transfer that knowledge to somebody else and then see them do it and help them do it and then celebrate them, that was everything in my life. That was the whole process. And now it's come full circle where I get to share my adventures. I get to do adventures. I get to share my adventures. Now, look, I don't expect someone to necessarily jump out of an airplane into the Denver Broncos. <laughs> they may yeah. want to do a skydive. But what I want them to do is be inspired that they can do something just by saying yes. That process of being able to help someone get out of the no and instead of being stuck and saying yes and becoming unstuck and then having the wins and then building from there. Awesome. Absolutely love it. And then what you said there too, just reminded me of something I initially saw on your website. You've, you've got this motto, create more, share more, live more. Could you kind of break that down for us and, and share more about that with us? Yeah. So in ninth grade, my English teacher did this whole session, like a whole semester of public speaking. And I really gravitated towards that process. And in that whole semester of public speaking, what I did was I was constantly focused on creating video. And look, this was in 1982, 1984. So creating video of me skateboarding, then sharing it with the class while doing public speaking. Fast forward to where I am now, I was able to turn that exact model into a keynote, into inspiration, motivation, training, facilitating audiences around the world. And it's through three simple steps. The first step is create more experiences. I believe that if you need to get unstuck, you need to do something, you just have to create an experience. Like I said earlier, stop saying no, say yes, create an experience, you'll grow inside, you'll challenge yourself, and you'll really start to feel alive again. And a lot of people just say no, 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 and they're missing out on experiences. So I say yes as much as possible. And I believe that everything that I share from the stage and also here can be used both personally and professionally. So creating more experiences is about self and super powerful. You move to the next phase, which is sharing more stories. And sharing more stories is about friends and family. That's what we're doing here. That's what a podcast is about. We're sharing stories with each other. We're bonding over that. Uh, we're creating friendship over that. And learning somebody's story by walking up to them or talking to someone on an airplane or just uh, connecting with a friend that you know, but maybe you don't know them super well. Or maybe you don't know them as well as you think. When you start to learn their story, you start to bond. So you get to share your story and learn your stories. That's about friends and family. Lastly, live more fulfilled. And we live more fulfilled by helping others. 
And when we live more fulfilled by helping others first, everything we desire comes back tenfold. I was just actually sharing with a friend the other day where I had way back in uh, 2013, 2014, I had bought someone's groceries and I went out and it was on my bucket list was to buy somebody's groceries, not tell them why, just do it. So I bought someone's groceries and in the process, uh, you know, it cost me like 50 bucks to do it. And it was super amazing. I had a little video camera on the conveyor belt and it captured it and I've used it in my trainings and it's been super powerful. Fast forward seven years, I got a check in the mail the other day for about 500 bucks and I had totally forgotten, but I had talked to someone about a year ago and they're like, hey, can we use a little clip from the footage of where you bought someone's groceries? I was like, oh, of course, of course, whatever. And then a year later, they ended up using it and they sent me um, a check for $500. Now, interestingly enough, that's 10 times what I spent. Now, did I do the bucket list item to get paid? Absolutely not. But I do find it interesting that I always say from stage, everything you desire comes back tenfold. And it might not always come back monetarily, but it will come back to you tenfold when you help others first. And that is about community. When we help others, it's about community and it has a ripple effect around the entire world. And I live by those three things, 100%. Love it. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I can relate to it too. You know, I've recently been in conversations with people, even just specifically about podcasting. And immediately they're like, well, there's no like quick money in it. And I'm just like, well, if that's the, I mean, cause I actually am not at a point where I make like very much money from doing this podcast, but every single week I'm reaching listeners, I'm spreading positivity, I'm expanding my own network of meeting people like you. And it has worked miracles in my life just by doing a podcast every single week and something that I'm passionate about. So I love that lesson. I love that concept. And it's really good advice for everyone just to get out there and do more and just know that you'll be rewarded in ways that you can't even imagine. That's exactly right. 100%. I always say that the bank account, whatever number you have, your bank account balance is a reflection of the number of people you've helped. The more people you help, it will go up. It might not go up right away, but it will go up and it will start to accelerate. And when you focus on others first, it will come back tenfold. And that's how, that's how I use my bank account. It's just a scorekeeper, just a <laughs> scorekeeper for the number of people that I'm helping in this world. Awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. I've never thought of it that way before. Um, so I wanted to, to mention this too, but you are a skydiver for a living like on the you're one of five members on the thunderstorm skydive team for the denver broncos so every single game you know of the nfl season for or home games for for the denver broncos you jump out of an airplane and then you do that on your own too and you base jump and stuff uh, also with public speaking you know fascinatingly enough just in in my own public speaking too like i've I've come across so many people who tell me that that's something they're terrified of doing. Uh, and then I looked it up and public speaking is actually one of the number one fears in the world that people have. So what you do is like, because I'm pretty sure skydiving's up there too. So what you do is two things, skydiving and speaking, both things that terrify other people. So what can you share with us, uh, you know, in regards to fear and like overcoming fear and what you do being something that isn't something that scares you, but it scares other people? 
Well, I believe that there's a correlation to public speaking and skydiving that I understand. And it's very simple as this. It's the anticipation that we're most scared of. And I've seen, I've, I've taken a thousand people on the front of me doing tandems. I've videoed a couple thousand people who are doing tandems. So I've seen their faces. They are yeah. most terrified <laughs> from when they arrive to riding the trailer, to getting on the airplane, to the door opening, and then being in the door. That is the biggest place of being terrified. The second that they jump out of the airplane, not terrified anymore. There's this kind of like blank look for a fraction of a second that if you didn't have video and you couldn't slow down, you wouldn't see it. But it's just kind of blank where they're present. And then after that, it's like, yeah, and they're fired up. They're like, I'm <laughs> doing it. It's amazing. They're not worried about that point. They're like, what if this doesn't have, what about that? And like, what about the parachute? Ah, they're just like, yes. Same thing with going on stage. People are terrified prior to going on stage. The second they go on stage, most of that disappears. And especially once they get in the groove, they're like, yeah, it wasn't so bad. I liked it. I dug it. Oh, people are applauding. Wow. So I believe that fear comes from the storyline that we're creating during the anticipation phase. You, you can try to anticipate all the stories in the world, but you won't know until you just do it. And then you know. Then you know the feeling. Like, oh my gosh, skydiving's great. And maybe you only want to do it once. Maybe you only want to go on stage once, but you did it. And that's worth celebrating. Love that. Well, and are you familiar? I'm sure you are, but are you familiar of the term uh, flow state? Yeah. Or is it's the theta state also uh, in terms yeah. of like where the best ideas come, that state where like an athlete's in flow? Yes. Yes. I mean, that is uh, theta brainwaves. Uh, a lot of people get it like maybe doing uh, repetitive tasks or riding a bike or running or meditation. Those are the types of things. So yes, I'm familiar. Okay. So that, I was kind of thinking of that when you were sharing what you were just saying, because uh, I started thinking to myself, I mean, I've never done skydiving, but I've done public speaking and I do, like, I still get nervous to maybe get on stage um, sometimes depending on the event that it is more than anything, not necessarily like the crowd of people, but um, sometimes I'll still get nervous, but then, yeah, it's the anticipation. It's walking up. It's getting, it's getting the microphone in hand. And then the second that that's there, it's like, I can't even remember what just happened. Like I'll, I'll go into like this super flow state and just go for it. And then when I get off the stage, I'm like, holy cow, like, what did I just do? And then I watch the footage back and I hear testimonials back from other people. And apparently it was amazing, <laughs> but, but it was just something that, it, I mean, it's like my brain just took the ropes, you know? And, and that's exactly what happens. We adjust along the way and it seems to work. And I've noticed through my speaking career and I train lots of speakers and through my speaking career, the acceleration to being in the flow state while on stage has shortened, you know, used to take 15 minutes to really be in flow. Then it was 10 and five. And now for the most part, and I work with my, my director of content and, and we talk about this a lot. And he's like, he's like, you walk on stage. He's like, you're in state. He's like, you're in the flow state, you're, it's game time, go for it. And it took me a while to get there. But once I learned that process of knowing how to get there, which is the same for skydiving. I mean, when the door opens, I jump out the plane, same thing. So being in that flow state, I'm able to immediately get there. And then instead of it being a blur, because again, a lot of people who do their skydive for the first time, they're so scared that they're like, their vision, I'm like, what did you see? 
They're like, I'm not sure. I think I saw the mountains. I'm like, the mountains are huge. How could you not see them? But eventually, <laughs> as you're a longtime skydiver, you're like, oh, I saw this blue car and it was driving and making a left-hand turn as it was going into this road by the hangars. And that's how clear it gets. Same thing with being on stage as a speaker. Wow. That is really interesting. Just as you do it more, the more you can almost like slow down what's going on and, and create like a f- almost like photographic memory where you're just like, okay, this is exactly what I saw. You're just really dialed in. Correct. I, lo- I love that. Well, and since we're on the speaking thing too, you're also mentioned um, or called the James Bond of public speaking. Could you kind of share with us what that is and what inspired that? It's It's so... So when I was getting into the speaking world, I realized, look, I got to have something that's going to separate. And I knew solid marketing and I knew that there had to be a different angle. Like if you look at every speaker, it's like real estate agent, like they give you a a card with a photo on it. It's always the same photo that the same person took for, I think, every single real estate agent in the country. Uh, Same thing with speakers. It's like this headshot. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to do it differently. We're going to build this brand differently. And the James Bond theme came out of me. I I was doing a photo shoot with a friend and we happened to be at this area where they use train tracks. And I was kneeling down with this suit on the train tracks with a pair of sunglasses. And when I posted it to social media, people were like, oh, it's so James Bond-esque and everything. So I was like, all right, I'm going to grab a hold of it. But then when I really decided like, okay, if I'm going to use the James Bond of speaking, and look, the only time I use it is in marketing and the opening, uh, the video that plays uh, before I'm brought on stage. And so many people laugh because there's a voiceover and it's like the James Bond of speaking. And the audience laughs. Now, it was never designed to make the audience laugh. But I'm stoked because if the audience is laughing before I even get on stage, I love it. I think it's, it's the best thing in the world. It breaks them and, and now they're ready to do it. But it's simple as this. I just basically said, well, what is James Bond? James Bond is somebody who understands technology. He's advanced, understands technology. Second, he dresses well. So, okay, I can dress well. Third, loves adventure. Fourth, not infallible and has a great sense of humor. And, you know, guys want to be him and ladies want to be with him. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's James Bond. I'm going to be that on stage and having that uh, sense of, of strength and positivity. And I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. Strong posture. That's James Bond. So that's kind of, if I follow that branding, then uh, I always deliver great material from the stage. Love that. And in the, my research too, I found that you did stand-up comedy too at one point. Is that is that right? It's interesting that you mentioned that because I was actually talking with my girlfriend the other day about going back into stand-up comedy. So in 2011, as I was starting to understand what I wanted to do and I knew that stage was part of it, I thought, you know what? I'm going to start studying stand-up comedy so that I can deliver great comedic messages from the stage. And I always say to my uh, director of content, Kyler, I'm like, this is really becoming personal development through, it's basically a comedic performance. It's stand-up personal development because I love the jokes and I love to make the audience laugh, especially laughter helps with breaking through fear. So anytime I can use laughter. And so I did amateur night at Denver Comedy Works. An amateur night, you're on the same stage as the professionals, but they have a whole night of the amateurs and there's a whole audience there and you get two minutes. And I tell you, the two minutes at that time was more terrifying than skydiving, Broncos, anything else I'd ever done, trying to come up with two minutes of solid material for comedy. Now, 
I, that's why I say I was like, I have so much material, but I've built it over the past seven years. Uh, I think comedy is great. I think it's a great connector for people. And when done right, it, it is, it's a beautiful, beautiful art. I think so too. I, at the beginning of the year, I did a, just a solo episode about overcoming adversity, you know, and one of the tips there is just, if you're going through some kind of hard trial, I know it's super hard to do this, but just to kind of take a step back and like try to find any kind of humor in what's happening or any kind of just go to something that makes you laugh, even if it's just like a funny TV show, like just do something to like get you to laugh and it'll release like all those happy chemicals in your head, you know, and you'll, you'll be able to manage the situation better. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. You're exactly right. Yeah. Comedy is brilliant. For people who maybe, since we're still on this kind of public speaking thing, uh, for people who want to get better at like those, those qualities that you mentioned that like you have and that James Bond has of just confidence of speaking well, of delivering powerful messages, you know, powerfully, like how can people improve those, those qualities? Well, I think everybody is inspirational and everybody has a message to share. And I think more than ever, more people are taking a look at the potential of being a speaker or sharing from the stage on some level. And I went from $500 per engagement to five figures. And that's not to, um, that's not to impress anybody. It's to impress upon people of what's possible. And I did that over the course of a year. And that was possible because I really studied the industry. Basically, what is the messaging that needs to be delivered? What is the craft of how that message is delivered? And then, of course, what's the business side of speaking and being able to have it be a lucrative business and a business that's sustainable for somebody who wants to do it on a regular basis? So I actually worked with my team and we are releasing a whole training course uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, maybe even by the time this podcast is out. And the training course takes people through that process and it's all the littlest nuggets and things like that. And people are going to work with me and there's going to be Zoom calls and group calls and individual calls and then online training. Like we're putting out videos every single week because I think about the finer points of what makes a successful delivery. And I think stagecraft is probably the most important because you can take a message, but if you don't deliver it well from stage, which is your number one marketing, then you're gonna miss. And so the first big step when you ask, how can somebody get better? It's find someone you resonate with, doesn't have to be me, but find somebody you resonate with that can help you along through that process. And then it's trial and error, practice, fix, practice, fix, practice, fix. I still, to this day, debrief every single event to say, what did I like? What did I not like? What worked? What didn't work? What can we add? What do we need to remove? Because to get better, you have to constantly look within yourself. I love that. Well, and I'll have to uh, keep an eye out for those, those courses and trainings that you're doing because uh, I'm someone who would definitely benefit from that and be super interested in it. But well, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, so I wanted to kind of, I just have this pull in my head right now, what you said earlier about create more, um, share more, live more. How can people do that more in their lives too? Um, I feel like, you know, I, I do this, I'm guilty of it, but also people just in my circle and everyone that I'm around, 
it's just like constant excuses. You know, I'm too tired. I don't have money. I like, it's not what I'm supposed to do. It's just what someone else is supposed to do. So like in regards to just being that way, having those qualities every day as a human being, but also in regards to pursuing what excites you and the things that you're passionate about, like how can people just do that more and kind of eliminate the excuses? I think it comes down to saying yes. And I said that earlier, you just have to say yes. Now, what I found doesn't matter where I go around the world, who I talk to, young or old, the same four things come up. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I have, I have responsibilities and I have fear. Those four things are the same in every human being that come up that keep people from doing what they want to do. I always say, say yes, let the how figure itself out later. I know skydivers who are janitors. They live on a, a, a governmental janitor salary and they have thousands of skydives. If I said to them in the very beginning, they said, well, how much does skydiving cost? I'm like, well, you're going to put in tens of thousands of dollars. They'd be like, oh, that's so much. I can't. I don't have the money. What I find is when they go say yes and they do one skydive, then they do another. Then you just pay for another. And then the how, and then they pursue, oh, wait, I could work here part-time at the drop zone. I could pack parachutes. I can you know, uh, do stuff around the drop zone and get paid. And then I can also skydive. They figure it out. And they start saving money in different ways. Like, hey, guys, I'm not going to go out to the bar tonight because I'm going to use that money that I was spending on the bar to go skydive. That's an example of how it works. The biggest thing is just to say yes. And a lot of times things don't cost money. Like someone says, hey, you want to go, go on a hike or walk down the beach or you want to go to the movies or have dinner? Just go. I have never come back from anything from doing stuff with people and been like, oh, that was a horrible idea. And even if it was like something totally nutty, you'll have the best story to share in the world. And stories are the best. And that's what I love doing is sharing the stories, especially out of things like, you won't believe what happened. You will, we took a right, we should have took a left. We took a right, man. I love, I love that. Yeah, just with every opportunity you take and with everything you, you pursue, there's always gonna be a story that comes with it. I, I love, I love that concept. It just, it reminds me of just like opportunity cost. You know, when you, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, then you could be saying no to, to other things that could create more of those stories for you. Exactly. Love it. Well, so could you, let's just see here, over 6,000 skydives and over 450 base jumps have you, in all of those times, have you ever, I mean, I don't want to strike a bad chord here or anything, but have you ever had any kind of malfunctions or scares or times that you're just like, oh, shoot, like that was a close one? Heck yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of part of the sport, but the training is there. The training is there to solve those problems. So take skydiving, 6,000 skydives, 22 times I've had to go to my reserve parachute. Seven of those have been on tandems. I've uh, eight of those on wingsuits and then another, uh, the rest basically on fun jumps or other types of jumps. And, and look, it, sometimes it's line twists or, you know, things where you can't solve the parachute, you're diving and spinning towards the ground. You got, you got to make a decision. And you know what, there's altitude decisions and time decisions. And uh, I make those decisions. I know my, my reserve parachute is going to work and I use it, and it's successful, and awesome. In base jumping, there is only one parachute. There is not enough time for a second parachute, and I've had a couple of close calls, one notably where my parachute spun up, and I, I flew and landed in 70-foot trees, and I was hanging 70 feet off the ground in these trees, then had to shimmy down this tree and leave my parachute at the top of the trees. 
uh, as I disconnected it. And, and that, was, that was a super close call, but ended up being all right. Had a mountain guide in Switzerland climb the tree for me, and uh, he got the parachute out, and everything was fine. Everything's a learning curve and through the process, and I think that's what it's all about. And through that process, you say, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How can I fix it? And I've seen and done things that most people have not seen or done. And those experiences are valuable to me and how I want to live my life. And it's super powerful. And it's just like takes the, what we were just talking about, about taking opportunities and then making those stories and having stories to share. It ups the game for, for what kind of stories you can share. Yeah. I mean, so there's two, there's two examples. One is like, whenever I jump into the Broncos game, people are like, oh, do you get nervous? You get scared? Well, I'm not nervous or scared, but I'm definitely focused. And look, there are days where it seems like everything's perfect. Like, oh, the weather's perfect. There's no wind at the rim of the stadium. Super, it's sunny, the stand, it's like everything's perfect. And, and those days are fine. Then there are the days where it's like, oh, there's a thunderstorm over there and there's a thunderstorm over here and the winds are gusting and this and that and it's swirling and they've got the cables up and, and, and we have to be really focused. And those are the days that we have to be absolutely on it and it's what they pay us for. So there's those days and then there's the days where I stand on the edge of a 2,000 foot cliff with a wingsuit and I have to really think about how I'm going to do exactly everything that I've trained to do. And it's that moment where I always say it's like there's a point of no return because it's like a three, two, one countdown. And once you lean far enough forward, you, you don't get to go back. And the thing is, there's no place for hesitation at the edge of a cliff. And so you have to be 100% committed to what you're doing while you're on the cliff, what you're gonna do while you're exiting the cliff, and how you're going to fly during the time you're in the air, and then how you're going to land safely. And that whole process is commitment, training, and knowledge, and being, you can't be more present than base jumping off a 2,000 foot cliff. You can't be more present, because that's the only thing you're thinking about. Yeah, well, when you said training, like how do you train for that, like, like jumping off a 2,000 foot cliff? Well. For me, my choice is I train in, in the sky with skydiving. I've also worked on my exits in the wingsuit into a foam pit. I read lots of stuff about incidents that have happened and why they happened. I try and mitigate those things when I'm there. Then there's the mental training, knowing that when you get there, you're mentally right. And if you're not mentally right, having the ability to say, no, I'll come back tomorrow. And that's fine. And that's the way it works. And nobody, not one person that goes there with you will tease you or, or say something about you deciding not to jump. They will, it's always 100% support. Love that. Well, and this one's more for, uh, this question is more for a friend of mine, but he's an avid uh, snowboarder, extreme snowboarder and stuff. But one thing he hasn't ever done is jump from a helicopter into snowboarding, which people do that. And where you're in Colorado and you're familiar with the sky and stuff, have you ever merged that with the um, snowboarding world or skiing world? I haven't. I, I did pro snowboarding way back in the day, and I never got to go on any heli trips. I would have very much liked that for sure. I have done skydiving out of helicopters, but I've never merged the two. And obviously jumping from a helicopter into the snow it's, it's, it's a bit of a stunt and you know, you're not super high. Um, yeah. but to be able to fly in a helicopter to the top of a peak and then ride some untouched powder. Oh my gosh. It's gotta be totally. Amazing. 
It's for the bucket list, right? That's right. <laughs> well, sweet. I just had some questions too. You note on your website that obviously featured NFL, ESPN, NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, MTV, all those things. Has that all been from the skydiving that you've done with uh, the Denver Broncos? Mostly. I mean, the skydiving and then snowboarding back in the day. I mean, NFL films, obviously, uh, you know, we're the only team that's associated with an NFL team in the country. So it, it is pretty exclusive. And, and, and the more we do it, the more that it is known as a feature throughout the NFL, which is pretty awesome. And through that whole process. And yeah, from time to time, other stations and channels and podcasts and print media, uh, it just continues to accelerate. And how did, so how did you link up with the Broncos? What, were you guys just like your own individual skydive team? And then like they, they saw you guys and you created kind of a partnership or, or, or yeah, I don't even know how to ask that, but what, what was kind of the, the story leading up to you guys actually being with the Denver Broncos? Well, what happened was the Broncos were taking a look at their pregame festivities uh, from time to time, they had had um, military jump in, but military jump in with very large parachutes. It's, uh, it's, it's great, but it's slow and it's docile. And they wanted more of a show and they had seen this thing called swooping, which is where you dive a small parachute towards the ground at a very high rate of speed. And the local drop zone, actually Mile High Skydiving, which is just north of Denver by 30 minutes, has some of the best swoopers in the world. And so they just started opening up the conversations like, hey, can you do this into this stadium? And there were a lot of conversations way back in 2010, 2009. So eventually they, we tested it out and it worked and they said, great. And we did it again. And, and then the, the team uh, evolved, went from four people to seven people, back to four people. And now it's, it's five. And the five is, is a perfect number. We have three minutes to get down from when they say go and we all have to land on the field and there is no margin of error. The margin of error is within the sidelines and the goal lines. You can't go long and, and you can't overshoot. It's just, it's not possible. You're gonna land in the crowd or you're gonna hit something. And um, we've done this for 10 plus years and uh, we have a 100% track record in terms of safety. Awesome. And you, I'm not familiar as much with how stadiums are set up and stuff, but I know that like filming football games and stuff and, and lighting and, and sound, like everything they do, there's all kinds of cables like everywhere. So when you jump into the stadium, are you having to avoid any kind of camera lines or cables or anything? Yeah. So not every single game, but what they call A games and the A games are the ones where it's a you know, Sunday night football, Monday night, Thursday night, playoff games, or, or a particular game they want to highlight, they put up the cable cam cables. And we are the only team that dives through the cables, and we know how to do it. And they configure the cables in such a way right before the, the, the start of the game to absolutely make sure that we're able to jump through the cables. They're pulled off to the side, but we still have to dive through them. So you have the field goal cables. And then you have four cable cam cables that come from all the corners. And it basically leaves a very small window in one corner of the stadium. And the only way to get through that window is to dive the parachute and then come underneath all the cables and land on the field. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty intense, especially if you're factoring in winds or if you're jumping at night with pyrotechnics. I mean, there's so many crazy things that could happen. Dang. Yeah, that's, that's insane. That's crazy. But it, it obviously... It's cool that you guys are passionate about it, but also like the joy that you bring to other people. You know, I've been to one Denver Broncos game 
in my life and it was like 2014, 2015 and you guys, you guys jumped and I thought that was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. So even the fact that I have you on the podcast right now, it's definitely yeah, an yeah. honor. <laughs> true pleasure. True pleasure. Uh, well, before we, uh, I guess wrap things up, I just kind of wanted to ask you about your family too. Like how is everything that you're doing and the messages that you share, how does that translate, um, down to your family and to your kids? Like, do you, like, are they in, involved in any of the same kinds of things, um, extreme sports or, or just sports in general or music? Like, what kind of things are they pursuing? Well, the kids, you know, they're their own individuals. And my daughter, Erin, has been in the indoor skydiving wind tunnel. She loves that. She flies very well. And they can all go skydiving when they turn 18 if they want to do that. But I think the, the biggest thing is, is that I allow them to learn how they want to learn. I trust the process. And I just want them to say yes and have new experiences. And I try and help them have great experiences. They both learned how to scuba dive. And we've done a family trip of scuba diving. And, and they've, they've been down anywhere between 50 and 100 feet, shipwrecks and things like that. And that's pretty amazing as a dad to be underwater with your kids in that process. And we'll just see how it goes as they continue along and what they want to do and, and how they want to live their lives. But uh, yeah, I, I am not the helicopter parents that hover over their kids like, oh, be careful, don't get hurt, watch out for this or that. It's more like, hey, you made a mistake, huh? All right, let's talk about how that can help <laughs> you in the future. All right, great, you know, get up, dust yourself off, you got it, way to go, and uh, just help them grow to be amazing human beings. Yeah, awesome, well, I love that. I think that's, I think that's really cool. Um, just to kind of close things out, I just have some specific questions that I, I typically ask every guest. Okay. Um, so can we run through those real quick? Fire away. Um, what is your favorite TV show? Currently, Stranger Things. Uh, you, it's all Netflix stuff. Stranger Things, you, and also Ozark. Those three are my, I, just, I, I watch those all the time and I'm waiting for those. Those are, those are way awesome. Cool. Good to know. I haven't seen Ozark or you yet. I have seen Stranger Things though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite word? Phenomenal. Phenomenal? Use it all the time. How are you doing? Phenomenal. <laughs> like, oh, this is phenomenal. This is great. This is amazing. It's phenomenal. Sweet. This one's specifically for you, but, but what's next on your bucket list? Like you've been living a life of crossing things off and, and accomplishing a lot of things that other people definitely have not experienced. Um, so I'm interested to know for you, you know, maybe even next five years, like what, what's next for you? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I want to do is I want to go to the seven new wonders of the world and I want to do that in two weeks. So it's like one and then get on a plane and off a plane, see it and get on a plane, get off a plane, just do the whole trip. <laughs> So uh, I've got it mapped out and uh, currently waiting uh, for the exact moment that I can make it happen. Sweet. That's exciting. Um, favorite social media platform and how people can reach out to you? TikTok, yo. That's, the, that's Kenny and Salo <laughs> on TikTok. Like, I'm like yeah. Kevin Hart. Like, I'm doing a TikTok, yo. Um, <laughs> also, my website, kenyansalo.com. Those are the two things. But reach out to me and you can DM me. And if you've got something that's you know, great to say, I'm looking forward to connecting, but definitely, definitely connect with me. Awesome. Well, thanks Kenyon for being on Upbeat. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Parker. It's been a true pleasure. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker Kenyon.
at parkerk.co.